And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you about today's episode sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, friends. So today, we I, I have been waiting for this interview for quite some time. We've been we've been talking about it. Uh, I'm very very excited to bring to you today, Jana Riley. Jana is director of education for Porterhouse KC, and I have just loved watching her take on a relatively new role. I think it's been, it's been over, it's been over a year now for sure. Right, Jonna? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, relatively new role. She's been active in the Kansas city ecosystem for quite some time as a thought leader in education and entrepreneurship and, you know, serving underserved communities, historically excluded communities, just an expert in a lot of really, really awesome things, but a really fantastic human being. Jonna, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me, Lauren. I've been looking forward to this. Okay, good. Because I, I, I do have to tell you, so friends listening at home, Jana and I, we have a, a previous relationship. We've known each other for a while, you know, uh, and we, ha- we, we take excellent selfies together. Although I have to think that you don't always love, 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 love that, but you let me do it. So thank you. <laughs> I just, sometimes I'm not selfie ready. And so like, <laughs> if I'm like, cute, I'm like, yes, we're going to do a selfie. If I'm just like, I'm here, then sometimes I'll be like next time more. That is totally fair. And I'm all about setting boundaries. So I, I'm never going to force you, but I, I love when we can take a moment in time together and just be with each other, commemorate. I just, I love seeing you out and about in the world, Jana. Same. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you the question. Here it comes. Tell us about your journey. My journey. Okay. So I was born and raised here in Kansas City. Um, And I say that because I think as I've grown older and I reflect, it's played such an important role in like my journey. Um, So I'm a third generation educator. My mom was an educator, or my mom has been an educator. She was a paraprofessional for a very long time, and my grandma taught early childhood. And so I did not expect to ever go into education. I actually, like, the path that I was set on when I went to school was I was going to go to college um, at Howard in D.C. and follow the Diddy plan. So I literally like I chose oh, Howard. The Diddy What's the Diddy plan? <laughs> so the Diddy plan was I, I was gonna go to Howard. Um Howard is very well known for just like its connections in the entertainment industry. Okay. And I've always loved music. And so I wanted to be like P. Diddy. 
I wanted to go to Howard, work my butt off, get an internship at a record label and work my way from like assistant to CEO. Um, That was the plan that very quickly changed once I got on campus and started learning more about like what that would require. Um, And long story short, um, I did move to New York, worked in advertising for a couple of years and then came back home and (laughs) the universe and God had completely other plans because I ended up, instead of following the Diddy plan, I followed the the grand grand plan which what is what we call the grand 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 plan and is that like the official name like when you talk about like the grand plan (laughs) (laughs) no but i ended up um coming back home and seeing what was going on in education really wanted to get involved there and so started working at a local nonprofit. from there got into the classroom where I learned a lot and like, I love children. I love schools. The classroom is not my ministry in terms of working with kids, um, but definitely love being in school spaces. And so have done a little bit of everything from teaching to, I helped (laughs) to open up a local charter school to working with parents. That's right. That That was uh, Casey Girls Prep, right? Yes. You were one of the founding team members for a girls' school here in Kansas Mm -hmm. City. Yeah. I I love that. I was the third hire there. That's uh-huh. so exciting. Well, and I, so we've actually partnered with that school on a couple of different things. And yeah. I, I just, I love the work that they do. I did not know that about like your, I did not know your backstory. I think mm-hmm. I just kind of made an assumption and you know, it happens when you make an assumption, <laughs> but I, I think that I had, all, I thought that I just figured you had always been in education. Mm-hmm. So that is, is fascinating to me. Now you said something that I found really, really interesting. And what you said was you you were seeing exciting things happening in education and it made you want to get involved. It made you completely change the plan. You went from the plan, which incidentally, don't, don't get mad if I someday call you J Diddy, because I just feel like that, that works. Uh, But I, I would re like, what did you see that you wanted, that made you want to be a part of it? Mm -hmm. So it actually, it wasn't something that was like exciting in a good way. It was something that, excuse my language, but it like pissed me off. Yeah. Um, So I am a product of Kansas City Public Schools. I went to Lincoln Prep. We're very proud. (laughs) Alum. Um, And when I got back to Kansas City, um, there was a leader who had made this really big decision without kind of like hearing from the community about what was important. And it kind of like snatched the rug out from a lot of different people, from kids who had to change schools, from teachers who had to move buildings, from parents. And so I saw that happen. I was working at um, a local marketing firm here when that happened. And I was like, that's wild. That is messed up. Um, And I just couldn't stop thinking about it and talking about it. And so I had to figure out a way to get like kind of in the mix in that regard because it just, it's something that happened and it wouldn't like let me go. It was was something that galvanized you and you wanted to change the cause and make it better. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a through line for you, like throughout all of your life. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're not the type to just stand by and let things happen. Like you're definitely an activator and an advocate. Um, and so, so I can totally see that that is, I'm like, that's very Jana. <laughs> well, so talk to us about Porterhouse, the Porterhouse KC. So mm-hmm. just as a general little bit of context for our listeners, the Porterhouse KC is an entrepreneurial support organization that serves historically excluded uh, black and brown entrepreneurs in particular, mm-hmm. and you know, puts programming in place to increase that access, democratize that access, increase that equitable entrepreneurship vision that so many of us here in Casey share. So, yeah. can you talk to us a little bit about that journey, how you came to to be at Porterhouse? Because you you went from education mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I know just from watching you work and watching what you do, there's a, there's a lot of intersection in that Venn diagram of Jonathan's heart and soul and the work that she does. But I'm really curious to hear how you got there. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with like my story as how I got involved with Porterhouse. And then I'll talk a little bit about the origin of how Porterhouse got started. Yeah. Um, so I got involved in Porterhouse as like a participant. So I was starting this dream of mine of a pop-up bookstore and it kind of like took off very quickly without me putting a lot of the foundational pieces in place. I was just like, I want to make sure that people have access to books, right? Like cool books, books about black and brown folks. Um, And I started doing these pop-up events that took off just like without me doing a whole lot of planning. Like I have to say, Kansas City really kind of showed up and showed out in a way that I wasn't expecting. But I learned that there were just things that I didn't know. And so, um, like I said, like Kansas City has a huge place in my heart because people that I know and love and like had grown up with had gone through Porterhouse programming. Um, Alicia Bowman, we went to high school together and she was a part of the first cohort of um the porterhouse's small business development program is that is it unleashed unleashed yep yeah so it was a here in kansas city it was a a thrift store that Bowman had had founded and and got some really interesting attention around now so you're talking about aya coffee and books and Mm -hmm. I, I i remember this uh, this time in your life very well, because I think that's actually right around the time that we first met mm-hmm. and you were actually introduced to me, not as an educator first, but as a, as an entrepreneur who yeah. was working on starting up a, a black owned woman owned bookstore. Mm-hmm. And just for folks who maybe aren't quite so familiar with the landscape here in KC, um, just so you know, there are only four Black-owned, woman-owned books bookstores in the Kansas City area that I'm aware of. There's Willa Books, Black and Brown, Bliss Books, and then there was Aya Coffee and Books. Yeah, right? yeah. And and so you were filling a space that I we would certainly love to see more collaboration and competition in, right? Mm-hmm. So so you're an entrepreneur all of a sudden, and it sounds like it was almost a little bit against your will by like how fast things were going. Yes. Which, by the way, I totally relate to because that's kind of what happened with Innovator. I was just like, this thing has taken on a life of its own. I did. Mm-hmm. I had no expectation that it would become what it became. So you're you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to navigate that. Yeah. What happens next? Yeah. So I'm like, I need 
to learn some things. Um, and that is where Porterhouse enters, right? Like I had gone to a couple of their workshops that they had done. Um, and so I did the mentorship program, which was a 12 week kind of sprint. And I was like, I want more. Um, so then I joined the next small business development cohort, which is really a space where it's a curriculum that gives you that those foundational pieces of like writing your business plan, um, using a canvas to kind of plan things out, knowing your numbers, right? Like knowing yeah. your audience, those kinds of things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are really passionate about their skill or their talent and they want to share it with the world, but they haven't quite considered, you know, those yeah. things. Um, that's what the small business development program focuses on. So right. I went through that class. Um, that's where I learned how to pitch. I won our like class-wide pitch competition. And um, Dan and I were chatting. About, I can't even remember what we were chatting about, but I was like, the educator in me was like, I have some thoughts. Right. Like Dan and Sharon, our founders have been facilitating this class. And I'm like, y'all are great. And like the teacher in me wants this to be even better. Yeah. Um, and so Dan was like, well, why don't you come do it? And I, my mouth kind of dropped. I was like, what? Like he's like, yeah, like come, come, come do this program, manage this program. And we have some cool things in the works. We would love to have you on the team. And that is how I got onto the team at Porterhouse. Um, yeah. And so to talk a little bit about the the Porterhouse story, um, there was a very specific time in Kansas City history when like Google Fiber was coming. Yeah, and it I'm was sure you remember this. It was a bit, yeah. oh yeah. And so it's part of the Kansas City startup village origin story very mm -hmm. much. And I, I actually used to man it, like one of my jobs was to manage the KCSV. And so, yeah, I'm very familiar with Google Fiber. And, and then the, the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce introduced the big five the big five goals for, mm -hmm. I guess, our regional prosperity. And one of the goals was to make Kansas City the most entrepreneurial community in America. Exactly. And, and a lot of that was driven by the fact that Google Fiber was coming to town and Kansas City was the first city to have Google Fiber installed worldwide. It, it yes. got a big deal, whole, whole bunch of press. <laughs> yes. So yeah. all of this is happening and... The vision, we the vision for Kansas City being the most entrepreneurial city in the world, and even like the plan of rolling out Google Fiber, yeah, left out a whole side of the city almost. Yeah, or it felt like right, like we didn't see ourselves represented. I remember there having to be like additional plans and pushes to even get Google Fiber in certain neighborhoods. Because um, yeah, I, I believe if I'm and somebody like fact check me on this at some point, but so the first neighborhood that can that Google Fiber went into and the, it was like a huge media event was a neighborhood of Kansas City called Rosedale that's over on the Kansas side. But the install the initial installation area was across it crossed State Line Road, which is okay. unsurprisingly the dividing line between Missouri and Kansas, uh, and it's right smack dab in the middle of KC, but. It's surrounded by very, like the, the communities that they picked are historically very white. Uh, they tend to be more affluent. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're saying that you didn't see that easily coming 
to the communities in the urban core. You know, here, right. here, here in Kansas City, just so y'all know, we have this uh, street called Troost. And Troost is very, very, very well known within the area as being the divide, kind of the racial dividing line. Kansas City is a very, very segregated uh, city. I, I do think, and actually I'm going to ask you this question, I do think that things are getting better, but we have a long, 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 <laughs> long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so you're talking about neighborhoods that might have even been east of Troost, um, you know, folks who have been historically very underserved and marginalized mm -hmm. by yeah. our leadership, for sure. Yeah. Just like completely left out of conversations. And yeah. our founders grew up east of Troost. I grew up east of Troost. And so very similarly to me, like they were like, this is messed up. Yeah. What can we do about it? And they um, had built a network of young Black professionals who were doing amazing things. And so they started by just offering workshops yeah. about different topics, branding, marketing, accounting, um, and making them accessible. So, so they found a partner in Chess Inc., um, which has done like yeah. housing, you know, right. making sure the housing is accessible. Services. I can't remember the exact acronym, but yeah. They, yeah. They um, but Chess work. Inc. has been a very early partner of Porterhouse, um, and they have a space that's right on the bus line. Um, Dan and Sharon would buy food out of their own pockets. And that is like kind of the origins of where yeah. the Porterhouse started, is just to provide access to information for folks yeah. and that kind of took off and has grown into what we do today well and so, so again i'm, I'm going to provide a little a little bit of context so john i hope you'll bear with me for a second but yeah. i have a story <laughs> and uh so i was i happened to be in a meeting uh between an organization that i previously worked for and uh and a gentleman in our city uh, older gentleman, very white, very affluent, uh, but he, he was actually leading a program, um, I guess in his spare time, but he was leading a program around youth entrepreneurship and we wanted to, so, and we were tasked with helping him. Mm -hmm. And what happened was it, we're sitting in this room and we're going through like applications and things like that. And I, all throughout the process, we had made sure to include uh, schools from across the Kansas City area, including those within the urban core. Like we wanted to make sure that the program attendees or participants were, were diverse and that we were offering opportunity. So we're in this room and we're going through applications and we're talking about like the interviews and things like that. And this, this gentleman, he said something, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but he said something to the effect of, um, you know, it, the kid, the, the kids from the more affluent schools were more entrepreneurial, and I stopped. I was like, eh, "That's that's not that's not correct," <laughs> because I I posit my hypothesis is, and I imagine that yours is as well. I think that the kids who need to, I don't know, sell tamales out of their backpacks to afford school supplies or the kids who are hustling, you know, mowing grass, babysitting kids in order to help their parents make rent. Or, you know, I contend that those kids are the more entrepreneurial. What was actually being talked about was soft skills, presentation, mm -hmm. like your speaking skills, you know, and, and that has nothing to do with entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So my my, I suspect that Porterhouse KC, like 
Porterhouse KC answers to a lot of that. Like the fact mm-hmm. is there are so many entrepreneurial people who have been thrust into entrepreneurship and, you know, but they come from backgrounds where they weren't exposed to that foundational entrepreneurial education. Like they don't mm-hmm. necessarily know the jargon. They don't know, you know, maybe they don't know how to read an accounting balance sheet, but that's not to say that they, they're they not entrepreneurial and that they're not incredible business people. They just need to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, that's what Porterhouse KC does. It's, they, yeah. they provide that educational platform for entrepreneurs to go forth and become better at the business side of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that is definitely, that's one of the things that, that we do, is we make sure that folks are learning the language. I think the other thing that we are blessed to be able to do is we're able to be in rooms where the people that we work with haven't made it yet. And yeah. so in those rooms, when something is said like that, um, we're able to provide real life examples of what that looks like, right? And so to kind of change the narrative and even shift the picture of what is quote unquote entrepreneurial or what proper like soft skills should look like, right? Like I don't have to wear a suit to be a great businesswoman, right? Like I shouldn't have to code for you to hear me, you know, Right. right? Like the, the quote unquote, what is the professional language and things like that, like it can look a bunch of different ways. And so we try to encourage folks and provide a picture of what it looks like to really be your authentic self yeah. um, in those spaces. And I think it's beneficial for entrepreneurs, but it's also beneficial for us when we're in rooms with folks at the chamber and um, we have built a very great partnership with the Hillsburg Mentorship Program. And so when we're in those spaces, we're able to kind of bridge that gap, which is, is has been really cool to see. That, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds absolutely incredible. And I, I can tell you that as an outside observer, I've absolutely seen that happen. You know, I, I talk to entrepreneurs that work through Porterhouse all the time, and it's always really, really gratifying. Like, I had nothing to do with it, but it's always really gratifying to hear, you know, I, I didn't know where to go or what to do. I had this great business idea, and I was given, through Porterhouse KC, I was given the tools and the support and the resources to figure out next steps. Because the fact is, like, you're not there to tell people exactly what to do. You're you're there to outline their options and to make mm-hmm. sure that they, they they know what they don't know and that they are aware of paths forward. Absolutely. And, and I love that. Uh, another thing that I love, my friends, I love today's episode sponsor, Full Scale. I think you all of you probably know that they are the executive producers of the Startup Hustle podcast, but. They are also excellent at offering technical support and helping our entrepreneurs build teams. Finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Friends, today we are with Jonna Riley, Director of Education for Porterhouse KC. And we're we're kind of skirting around some some very uh, very important but also kind of alarming 
uh, topics. You know, we're talking about inequities in entrepreneurship, and we're talking about how we can better serve those who have historically been excluded, those who have been marginalized. I mean, that's what the Porterhouse KC does, for sure. And so I'm going to ask you, Jonna, you know, we've talked a little bit about what the Porterhouse KC does, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on what we need to do as a society. Let's take it up to the 10,000 foot view. How can we better support our black and brown entrepreneurs? That's a very um, big question. That so. is a big question. And there are, I think there are a lot of different ways you can support, right? Like I think one of the biggest ways of course is, being very intentional with where you spend your money, right? Like spend some money with these folks. They are working really hard and like, it is amazing to share their stories and to share their Facebook posts and social media. But at the end of the day, they're in business because they're trying to build something for their family and for their community. So spend money with them. Um, I think, one of the biggest things that I've learned and I tried to lead with is that the people closest to the problems have the answers. They have the solutions, right? So like if you're trying to solve a problem on behalf of black and brown entrepreneurs, then like go ask them what they need, right? Like they need resources. They need access to capital is a big one, right? Like, yeah. um, it's always, it's always number one with a bullet for innovate her KC members. Yeah. Like, talking about challenges. It's like that money piece. It's huge. Yeah. It's <laughs> huge. Right. And it, it incorporates so many historical and systemic issues, right? Like when we talk about banking and just the different things that folks have to leverage to get access to traditional forms of capital, So that's a big one. I think that we have to creatively think about how we're giving folks access. I think the other one is just, um, just really like, actually, I think that's it. I don't think I have like, at the end of the day, it's like, problems here today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like that's it. Um, those are two of the biggest things I can say is like shop with people consistently, not yeah. just during Black History Month or AAPI Month or like whatever the quote unquote. Women and minorities is. exist all year long. Like all that, year that's long, right? March, like with Women's History Month. I'm like, hey, we're still going to be here in April. Promise. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, don't I, view it as, it's not a charity. You know, like yeah. these are people who are very skilled at what they do. And they put so much time and intention into building a business, like view it as any other business that you shop with, just be intentional about it. Yeah. Well, and so I want to, like, when we're talking about the the inequities experienced around black and brown entrepreneurship in particular, there are a couple of things that I, that I'd love to highlight. So I'm going to give an example of an inequity that is, is very racially charged. Um, and that is, so when we talk about venture capital, um, Something like I, I don't remember the exact numbers on it, but but often when entrepreneur when when yeah when entrepreneurs go to talk to like a VC panel trying to find VC funding talk to VCs, um, one of the thing one of the first questions that 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 founder gets asked is 
Have you raised a friends and family round? And that mm -hmm. can become criteria in mm -hmm. whether or not you allocate funding for someone because investors want to see that the founders are doing what they need to do and that they're doing everything they can to push their propel their business forward, um, you know, find funding on their own. But that being said, if you are from an area that is socioeconomically disadvantaged and you, you know, if your family doesn't have money, you can't raise a friends and family round. Like nobody, if nobody around you has the money to pony up, you know, thousands of dollars, million, like however much you're trying to raise, if you can't, if you can't find people to, to fill your friends and family round, then you have effectively in some, it, it, with a lot of VCs, you've been folded out of that opportunity. Yeah. And so that is a deep systemic inequity. That is a process problem, but it is an inequity that we see. And, and we see these inequities unfold at every level within the entrepreneurial ecosystem to disadvantage black and brown founders. And so, so the other thing that I want to highlight for our listeners is the fact that entrepreneurship um, it's one of the fastest ways to build what we call generational wealth, right? And, and so by supporting black and brown entrepreneurs, you are helping to address these deep systemic barriers and inequities um, in order to, to create fairness and justice in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. What do you feel about all that, Jonna? Yeah. So um, one of the things that that I'm learning is like, as I like do more like ecosystem building work, right. Is like people, t people on the outside tend to lump um, all entrepreneurs and founders together. Mm -hmm. um, and, but they tend to really be talking about like the sexy idea of these like high growth startups yeah. that can even like, we, we, when you talk about VC, like the folks that we work with, are not usually even gonna be looking for venture capital, right? Because we're talking about folks who run brick and mortar businesses or like a cleaning company or um, they make candles. And so um, there's this article that is in the Stanford um, Social Innovation Journal. And yeah. it talks about this idea of scaling deep. Um, there were some re researchers who did a study in Detroit and they looked at um, the resources that were provided to entrepreneurs to like scale up, right? Like these high growth companies versus yeah. like the more main street businesses. Um, and what they saw was like the companies that are scaling up very quickly um, tend to like follow the money, right? So like if there's a program in Detroit, they're going to do that to get access to that kind of fund, but they're not necessarily tied to Detroit as a location because right. they're building their business to grow very quickly and very big. Whereas folks who are Main Street are completely committed to that community. Um, and so while they're not necessarily scaling up, they are building this, this thing called scaling deeply, right? Yeah. So they've invested in, they hire folks locally, right? They right. tend to give back to the community more, right? Like the folks that we're working with, we have a cohort of people right now, and they are so excited to get interns from ProX. Um, and I think oh, just like, yeah. 
Yeah, like ProX is like a local initiative to make sure that high school students have access to like all of these different um, real world learning opportunities by partnering with our local businesses. And so I think that when we talk about what our entrepreneurs are doing and systemically, we have to value the idea of scaling deeply yeah. Um, as much as we do this, like, idea of scaling up and being, like, growing very quickly. Right. Well, and I find, I, thank you so much for kind of bringing us back to that point. I love the term scaling deep. I had never heard that before, um, but I love that. And I think, one of, so one of the things that happens here in Kansas City, we see it happen pretty frequently, actually, is, you know, we have all of these elected officials and we have leadership in our city who identify like they want the big sexy names they want the next big uniform like exactly to your point what you just said like we we tend to look at like these big sexy things but the fact is the grind it's it's like the rabbit and the hare and like the or sorry the the tortoise and the hare there you go that's what i meant but the tortoise is entrepreneurs because the fact is here in the Kansas City area we entrepreneurship and small business is responsible for something like 80% of net new jobs and mm-hmm. yet we throw all of these resources and all of these tiffs and incentives into attracting big business here and it's like you know if we could just take that money point it at our entrepreneurs make sure that they're well capitalized like our mm-hmm. retail and main street founders you know not these high tech venture backable, you know, entities. But if we were to pour our money into that local component, shopping local, supporting local entrepreneurs, we could see a significant surge in in the in the the economies of scale around around entrepreneurship. Like we, we would see more tax revenue. Again, as you said, that goes back into our community. Uh, we would see more people hiring, as you said. I just read a report about recidivism. You know, if you are able to support uh, folks, I can't remember what the the term is, returning citizens, mm-hmm. um, you know, folks who have been in, incarcerated, um, you know, if you are able to get them a job that like pays them well, then you see like a 70, it's something like a 70% reduction in recidivism. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. That's, I mean, it, it feels to me like the answers are so clear, like so many of our community issues and challenges could be solved if we would just support our small business owners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yeah. I, don't, I feel as though like, I'm probably, I'm going to send this episode and I'm just going to be like, Hey, Mayor Q, listen. <laughs> yeah. So, so talk to us, talk to us a little bit more about the Porterhouse KC. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you have entrepreneurs running through the program. What is their, what are their thoughts? What's their feedback on the support provided? Um, so I think they are excited because, well, one, I think entrepreneurship is, can be very lonely. And yeah. so when you're able to find a community of folks to learn with, to grow with, to pour into each other, um, you're very excited and grateful for those spaces. I think as an ecosystem, they see a lot of like resources, um, but I'm not sure that the resources that are out there have done the work of like actually listening to entrepreneurs and like hearing what they say that they need um, and figuring out how to do that. I think a lot of folks are like, we want to support entrepreneurs. So we're going to do this thing. Um, 
and the thing doesn't necessarily align with what entrepreneurs actually need. So I think there just needs to be more of like meeting folks where they are, like go to entrepreneurs and like do that engagement work of really learning about what they want and what they need now and what they need to get to the next level. And so one of the things that we're really um, grateful for is our partnership with UMB Bank um, because they've allowed us to build out this program called the Alchemy Sandbox, um, which is modeled after Digital Sandbox. But essentially every quarter we have um, entrepreneurs who go through a pitch workshop because everybody doesn't know how to pitch. So we do, we provide a resource. Oh, to I, I miss that so hard. I, yeah. that's like a soapbox for me. <laughs> yeah. So right, we've, um, pitch. Uh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the small business development center has kind of run this workshop for us every quarter. Um, and then we have folks pitch and tell, tell their stories. Um, and because of UMB banks, um, generosity, we're able to give five entrepreneurs up to $5,000 to meet those needs to help them go to the next level of their business. And so this is year two of that. We're getting ready and gearing up for our second pitch competition of the year um, through that program. And we're very excited about it. That is awesome. And I I can't tell you, like, an empower empowered entrepreneurs are my favorite entrepreneurs, like those that have everything that they need in order to thrive. I'm just like, ah, that's beautiful. That's, that's the goal. Uh, and I, I just want to say thank you so much for the work that you do and the work that Porterhouse KC does to, to ensure that that happens in, in a socially just way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the fact is, uh, I think black, I, I again, I, I'm so terrible with statistics, like never hold me to stats. I'm like, I kind of have an idea, mm-hmm. but I mean, the fact remains I, black and brown owned business is actually, I believe the fastest growing segment of, of entrepreneurship in the country. And, and a lot of that is because you, you have people within a community who have been forced to be entrepreneurial just to, you know, get their lives done. But you also have these remarkably talented individuals who historically have never been given the access or the resources or the championship that they needed in order to thrive. And so now seeing programs like the Porterhouse KC in place that can help them get there, the sky's the limit. Like we're just going to see so many amazing founders and so many amazing businesses that we would not have otherwise had access to because they didn't have access to what they needed to take it to the next level. So, so very, very grateful to you and the work that you do. Uh, I'm going to remind our friends at home, you know, I, I, even if you're not in Kansas city, although if you're Kansas city, this goes doubly for you, uh, shop local, support your local entrepreneurs, do your research, find the founders that you want to fall in love with, um, become brand advocates for them. It costs literally nothing to share a post from a business, like a black and brown owned business. You know, these are easy, appreciable things that we can do to show our support of these incredible founders. So I'm going to encourage you at home to do that. Um, Also, well, we're about to come up to the human question. (laughs) I want to let you folks know that in pre-show prep, Jada instructed me not to ask a question about Beyonce. 
and I'm going to ignore her because I'm so intrigued about this whole Beyonce thing. I need to hear more. But uh, my, my human question to you actually is, uh, why do you love Beyonce so much? Um, a lot of reasons. I think I'll just, I'll say, I think that one of the reasons that I love Beyonce so much um, is as a fellow Virgo, I think she does an excellent job of making Black women, Black queer folks um, feel seen and heard and loved at such a high level of excellence that like you can't deny the greatness, right? Like you don't have to be in the beehive to acknowledge that Beyonce is talented. And if you don't think that Beyonce is talented, then like you're a hater. If you can't can't acknowledge any talent that (laughs) Beyonce brings, then you are a hater. She is a producer, she is a dancer, she is a singer, she is a songwriter, she is a, like just a great musician. Like she's she's a performer, okay. which all yes. of those skills kind of roll into being but she she's a fabulous performer. Yeah. But she, there's so much more there. You know? Yes. Like, I mean it's and great. She, she brings us so much joy that like I just I have to like I love that for yeah. us. Like, right? Like the Renaissance tour just started. <clears throat> and seeing clips of it and seeing like people literally flying all over the world to see her yeah. and how much they're enjoying the show. It's just, it's beautiful because we need more of that, right? Like yeah. we need more joy. We need more fun. We need more happiness. And so I'm grateful that she can bring that to us. Lizzo is another one of those for me. Yes. Like I, you know, I, I am not a woman of color. Uh, as you can see, but uh, as a woman, they were mm-hmm. like Beyonce and Lizzo both make me feel proud to be yes. a woman. Like I can point to them and say, "Hey, that is an example of awesomeness," mm-hmm. and and I get to be a part of that. We're on we're on very different journeys, but in a lot of ways, very similar journeys. So, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite Beyonce song? It changes all the time, but right now, um, because I'm like my TikTok feed is all renaissance tour and so i love seeing her um perform heated where she like raps and sings and talks about her uncle so that's my favorite right now all right well i dig it i also dig full scale they are the executive producers of startup hustle but if you need to hire software engineers testers or leaders full scale can help they have the people on the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts when you visit fullscale.io all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted highly experienced software engineers testers and leaders at full scale they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you learn more when you visit fullscale.io and friends i've said it before but i'm gonna say it again we want to hear from you at startup hustle we do this work for you well i do it a little bit for me if i'm being honest it's really fun for me but we do it for you. We want you to hear the stories that you need to hear, whether you are a, an established entrepreneur, established founder, or you're just starting out, or maybe you just have the germ of an idea. It doesn't matter to us. We hope that when you listen to Startup Hustle, that you hear something that helps you along on the journey. That's why we tell the real stories of entrepreneurship. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put something on you, my friends. We're going to ask you to reach out to us. Tell us the stories that you want to hear. 
point us to founders that you think are incredible and awesome and you want to hear their story told to a very large global audience because that's what we offer here at Startup Hustle. Let us know. You can go to startuphustle.xyz, suggest guests, suggest topics. Uh, you can go to any one of our social media accounts. We've got Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the things that I ask you to just visit and let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you need to hear. We would appreciate it. And I definitely, definitely invite you to check out the incredible John O'Reilly and Porterhouse Casey. John, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me, Lauren. This was fun. Good. Okay, good. I love it. <laughs> that is, so, so just so y'all know, that is like my super secret goal. I have a lot of goals when we record an episode, but one of them, I, I always want the founders at the end to say that was fun. That's like my, my super secret goal. Um, so thank you for that. That made me feel good. Friends, keep on coming back. We appreciate that you listen to us week after week, and we invite you to continue doing so. We will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.